Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bcc.church. Do you remember the first time you gave your life to Jesus? Do you remember that time when you, I don't know, maybe made a prayer or sort of decided to commit your life to Jesus? Do you remember how that made you feel in those moments? I was 13 years old, uh, and I was at a Christian conference, a Christian concert. And I still remember there was this man on the platform, he was preaching, and after his message, he basically asked, is there anyone in this place who wants to give their life to Jesus, to open their hearts to him? And I, I really felt this holy push from the Holy Spirit, and I lift, my, lift up my hand, and I just ran towards the front of the auditorium, and I just, I remember, I, I think I kneeled down, and I said, Jesus, I want to follow you for the rest of my life. I'm 27 now, so I lived 51.85% of my life as a follower of Jesus Christ, and there was not a moment in these last 14 years that I really regretted making this decision, because it's the best decision that I ever made for my life as well. And there are many ways in which we can describe the Christian life. Uh, we are children of God because the Bible says that we are born again. We are ambassadors of Christ, representing Him in every aspect of our lives. We are the church, and therefore we are His bride. Jesus loves us and takes care of us and will one day come and take us with Him in eternal joy and peace. And there are many, many other ways in which we can describe our Christian life. But one of them is that we're also like soldiers if you want on a mission mandated by Christ, enlisted by Jesus Christ, and empowered by the Holy Spirit to fulfill the Great Commission, to make disciples and to share the good news to everyone around us. And today I want to focus on this expression of our Christian life. We are mandated to fulfill God's mission of redeeming souls and investing the holistic growth of those around us. Now, is there anyone in this place who, since they became Christians, has had like a painless life, everything was like amazing, you never went through tough times, like, like no one, exactly, I thought so, <laughs> as soldiers we have an enemy, and this enemy seeks to destroy us, but in the same time we also have a commander, one that is always there for us to encourage us and strengthen us when things get tough, but you never see a soldier running to his commander saying, commander, <laughs> they're, they're shooting at us on the battlefield. And imagine the commander's response if someone comes to him like this. Imagine his shock that his soldier is surprised that there's an enemy on the battlefield attacking. It's, it's normal. And I want to say that when we go through different things in our lives, it's normal that we get under attack. It's normal. We are part of God's great winning army. And I emphasize on winning. We are winning. And we are part of this great army. But sometimes we do find ourselves on a battlefield where the enemy attacks us. And can I say that this is normal? And it's even okay, because first of all, this proves that you're a soldier. It also proves that we have an enemy. But in the same time, it proves that we have God on our side. And he's there with us, lifting us up when we need. He's training us for battle, and he's strengthening us when we need him to be there for us. He's equipping us for his mission, and we can be victorious in his name. We as Christians are victorious in Jesus' name. Christian life is never characterized by victimhood. Christian life is never characterized by victimhood. The difference between a winning mentality and a, a victim mentality is not that the one who thinks like a winner is, not, is never attacked, while the one who thinks like a victim is always under attack. That's not the difference. 
The thing is that they both are attacked, but the, the difference is in the attitude. The difference. So in our lives, and you know very well, the older we get, the more we understand that there are good and tough times. And we all face them no matter what we believe, no matter what we go through. But our attitude can be different. We can approach these hard times in very different ways. And I, I, I believe we're not called to victimhood. I do believe that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I do believe this. I do believe that I am more than conqueror because I know Christ. I know whom I serve and I know who looks after my life. And yes, there are times when I'm under attack. There are, there are many times when I'm down. There are many times when I'm suffering. There are many times when I'm hurting. Many times when my mind is under attack. And in those moments, it's so easy to accept that I'm a victim. Because somehow I feel entitled to just say, oh, poor me. It's, uh, it's like I'm surprised somehow that the enemy attacks. But in those exact moments, I'm reminded that Jesus Christ is with me. And no matter how many times the enemy tries to knock me down, I'll rise up and I'll move forward. I'll not just let the enemy knock me down and stay there. And I want to follow Jesus Christ in every aspect of my life. I am not a victim. And can I say that neither are you. We are not victims. We are children of God. And God is on our side. God is for us. And today I want to look at the sons of Shiva and at Paul. Okay, they all found themselves in exactly the same situation. But their attitude and the outcome of their attitude was really different. And I want to understand from both sides why. And I, I want to learn how can we have a, an attitude of a winner, if you want, unlike the sons of Shiva. So in Acts 19, we read, Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had the evil spirit, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims, uh, Seven sons of, Jewish, of the Jewish high priest named Shiva were doing this. So the sons of Shiva were, something, were looking like they're living the Christian life. That this, these are these guys. But they lack a strong foundation. And what happened with them is that they were attacked by this demon. It's not really uh, a nice uh, event. It says that they were overpowered and they fled out of that house and they were naked and wounded. In other words, they were under attack and they lost the battle. The evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, Paul I recognize, but who are you? And this is a bit tough, and we can learn from them. I want to point to some of the things that they were doing, some of the things that they were not doing, and that led to this unfortunate event. First of all, they had a certain understanding about God. These guys were PKs, pastor's kids, if you want. They probably grew up uh, in the church. They had Christian input into their lives. And probably at some point in their life, they thought of starting their own thing. So they started the ministry, and they were going from place to place, practicing some sort of exorcism. And it's important for us to understand that when it comes to demonic forces and attacks, we can't just go for it without having a strong foundation that is built on our identity in Jesus Christ and being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And these guys were lacking both. Identity in Christ and strong foundation. They were lacking both of these things. Their identity was built on themselves. They had their own agenda. And when they heard Paul delivering people in Jesus' name, they thought, why not? Let's try what he does. If he can do it, we can do it as well. But you see, that's, that's the thing. It wasn't Paul who did it, but it was God through Paul who was doing the mighty miracles in those moments. Secondly, there were also spiritual hanger-ons. Right? There were spiritual hangers. So he said, I jury by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. I can just imagine Paul saying something like, uh, boys, that's not how it works. <laughs> you cannot just proclaim in the Jesus that I, I follow. Okay? 
They were trying to use the power and the influence of Paul to build up their status. They were building their identity on Paul's faith. This is what they were trying to do because they were lacking a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I remember I was 17 years old, so that's like 10 years ago, and I attended a conference in Romania uh, for three days. And I remember in those three days, I, really, I was really hungry for God, and it was an amazing season in my life. And I was fasting for all the three days. I was worshiping God like never before, giving my everything to Him. I was in a different uh, city, like opposite where I live in Romania. And after the conference, some friends of mine invited me to their life group, and they invited me for a meal. I said, okay, let's go, because I'm leaving in the morning anyway. So we ate, and then uh, I don't know how we come up to discuss, and I said, if it ever happens to me that I encounter uh, someone that is demon-possessed, I'll be really, really scared, and I'll be really afraid. And I, that's exactly what I said. I remember, like, it was yesterday. I don't know how we come to, came to discuss about those things. And at some point, we, some, one of my friends says, why don't we pray for each other? So we start to pray. And all of a sudden, we can feel God's presence being so heavy in a very good way in that little room. And uh, I, I feel in my... So I, I was 17, so I, was, I didn't have experience in these sort of things, okay? So I feel in my heart that Holy Spirit tells me that there's this girl that he wants to break the power of fear of, from her, her life. He wants to free her of fear. And uh, I had a very vivid image as, as he wants to really cut down the string of fear, something like this. And so that was like a word of knowledge which I was like, my heart was racing. You know how it is when you feel like sharing something from God, but you don't really want to do it. And I'm like, I don't want to share that. And the Holy Spirit was like, share that. You know how insistent he can be many times, you know. And I couldn't resist him. So I said to this girl, I tried to build a lot of, a lot of crutches around me, just in case I, do, I go wrong, you know. So I said, look, I'm not saying it's from God. I'm not even sure. Yeah, I'm not even sure what this is. It's new for me. But I cannot just stay quiet. If, I, if, it's, if it's not true what I say, I apologize and please forgive me. I mean, I didn't know them anyway, so I was like, okay, I'll leave from this city after. So, so and, I, and I said to her, uh, I feel like God wants to break the power of fear of your life. And, and they said, can I pray for you? So I went to her and I, I put my hand over her shoulder and I said, in the name of Jesus, uh, spirit of fear, go away. And, and in those moments, she started to manifest. And it was the first time, so again, I didn't have experience. I didn't know how these things go. It was totally unexpected. And she started to manifest in a very, very demonic way, as you can expect. And we started to pray, and the more we prayed, the more the Holy Spirit was bringing other words of knowledge of other spirits that were inside of her. So there were like seven, and together we prayed for her. And it was so true that at some point I could, I could even feel like she's levitating a bit over. So I know how this sounds, and I know it sounds like, and it never happened in this way since, okay? And it wasn't that I was special. I was not, so I, I'm not like, oh, I'm there and let me deliver you from stuff. It wasn't anything like this, but God's power was in that place. And what I did is like, I feel this. I'm not sure. I never experienced this. I never practiced these things before. And we prayed for her, and she was freed from seven demons, and she's free even still today, okay? And there are other healings as well. We placed our hands over someone who had asthma, and she got healed, and then I said, why don't you cover your mouth or something to, to see if this works? And she was healed as well, just like this in those moments. And since then, maybe one or two events that were smaller, uh, not as dramatic happened. But I want to say that we do have the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, and God can use all of us at times to really do His will, to do what He wants us to do. I understood in those moments how powerful the name of Jesus is. 
That was the moment I actually understood it because I was experiencing it. When I was saying in the name of Jesus, there was no, like, no comment. You just go. It's because it's, it's at the name of Jesus that every demon and every spiritual force, they run away in fear. The demon and the spirit of fear runs away in fear when we proclaim the name of Jesus in those situations. In Acts 4.12 we read, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Philippians 2.9-11 Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. John 14.13 Whatever you ask in my name, in Jesus' name, this, will, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You see, the sons of Chivan weren't asking in Jesus' name because they didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. They didn't know this Jesus. That's why they couldn't ask in his name. And then they became victims and they were attacked. What Dr. Luke writes, he says that they were itinerant. And the Greek word brings this idea that they were wandering, that they were undecided, and they were insecure. Their identity was not built on Jesus Christ. They didn't know Christ, and the demon didn't know them because they didn't belong to Jesus. Therefore, they became victims and lost the battle in those moments. The strength to stand strong against the enemy's attacks comes from identity that is nurtured in intimacy with Christ. That's how we become strong. That's how we can face the enemy. We have Jesus with us. We have Holy Spirit empowering us as well. And Paul had a winning mentality because he knew Christ. He belonged to Jesus Christ. And the demon said that it recognized Paul. The demon recognized Paul. So how do we cultivate this strong identity in Christ? How do we get to the point where when we're under attack, we know who we are and we know whose we are? What can we learn from Paul? First of all, Paul was driven by God's mission. It says in verse 8, And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. Paul entered the synagogue. Paul spoke boldly for three months. Paul was reasoning with them. Paul was persuading them about the kingdom of God. Paul was kingdom-minded. Christ was his Lord and the center of his world. And I believe that Paul understood that he's in a partnership with God. Paul was doing all these things, the speaking, the reasoning. It wasn't God, it was Paul. And it's very important for us to understand. We are partners with God in the mission that he has for this world and for us as well. Paul understood what he later wrote in Ephesians 1, 3-4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us, as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. We are already blessed with heavenly places, uh, heavenly blessings to fulfill the mission that God has for us because we were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. God equipped us and blessed us already. Now as I speak, you are blessed and you are equipped by God. You are chosen by God to fulfill His mission in this world. And we live our lives driven by His mission to share the good news and help people to mature in Christ. Secondly, He was also pastoral. He says, when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the whole of Tyrannus, Tyrannus, Tyrannus. So Paul took the disciples with him. Paul took the disciples with him. How do we feel when someone speaks evil of the way? If like Paul, we get to that place where 
we daily nurture a personal relationship with Christ and we get to know Christ more and more through the Bible. That's how we get to know God as well. And through prayer. And then we meet someone who just speaks badly about God. Or the people that we try to bring closer to God hear these words there. How do we react in those moments? And it's not only speaking evil of the way, but even speaking things that are untrue about God. How do we protect those we love? How, how is our pastoral heart coming out? Because we don't want people to hear lies about God. And Paul had this same attitude for his disciples. He couldn't just let them hear anything, so he withdrew with them. The way we protect our hearts and minds is by having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and getting to know him through his word. I believe that this is why it's utterly important for us to belong. We all need to belong. And I would go so far as to say that it's of vital importance that we are rooted in a community of believers. You and I must be rooted in a community of believers. There's no real strength without belonging. And I, I firmly believe this. There is no real strength without belonging. The sons of Shiva were lone rangers. They were doing their own thing. They left church. They were no longer belonging to a community of believers. And they became victims. And they lost. When things got tough, they had no one to go and to run towards. On Monday at our life group, we were praying for each other. And at some point, everyone prayed for me as well. And while they were praying, I understood in that moment that if I ever aim to face tough situations in my life, I have a group who's got my back. Yeah. I've got people who I can run towards. I've got people who are praying for me and support me in my life. I have brothers and sisters that are there for me in every single situation. And my question for you is, who's got your back? <coughs> Who's got your back? Who is like a pole in your life? When the enemy attacks your heart and mind and life, where will you run to? Who will be there to protect you? Who will be there to encourage you? Who will be there to strengthen you and offer you hope? And I can easily answer this question. Very easy. It's my church. It's my life group. It's my friends. It's the people that I work with easily. If I fall back, I know they're there to catch me. Who is there for you? That's why I want to encourage and persuade you. You need to belong to a community of believers on Sunday, but also during the week. Someone that can text you when you're in the hospital. Someone who is there for you when things get tough. Someone you can call when you want to speak with someone. We all need to belong to these people. And maybe for some of you, it's time that you start to find that community of believers. And say, so we're here together in this mission that God has for us. And if you need help, speak to me. Go to the information point, and we can connect you to mature believers in Christ who will be there for you through our life groups. That's why this is so. It's not about activities. Our life group leaders don't do activities. They do life. Yeah. If you go to staff situations, we're there for you. That's why we exist. That's, that's, why, that's what Paul was doing. Our life groups are, are not running programs and activities. It's not about that. We facilitate life-transforming discussions. We bring Jesus in every aspect of your life. And we discuss about what's going on. That's, that's the value I deeply found in being part of a life group. I'm not alone. And I do belong to them. Thirdly, Paul also had an evangelistic heart. And says, this continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Paul invested two years so that, which first reverse purpose and intentionality, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Can you imagine this? Two years so that all the residents of Asia, and we're speaking of Asia, right? <laughs> it's not Romania. <laughs> all the residents of Asia heard the word of God. 
And theologians even say that Ephesus became and remained for a long period the ecclesiastical center of region. So churches arose at Colossae, Laodicea, Hierapolis, eastward, either to Paul's direct impact or to the people he trained and sent. Wherever Paul was going, lives were being transformed because he was declaring the truth that he was living. He knew whom he proclaimed. He knew that the ultimate hope for broken lives can only be found in Jesus Christ, who is drawing people to himself into a relationship with him. When I was in the Bible college and the lecturer was asking questions that we didn't really know the answer to, we always said Jesus, because you cannot really go wrong. <laughs> you know, I said Jesus. And most of the times it was, it was uh, working. But when it comes to our lives and the lives of those we love, Jesus is their ultimate answer. It is Jesus. Do your friends know that Jesus can restore lives? Does your family know that Jesus is our Redeemer? And that no matter how far we are from Him, no matter how much wrong we've done, no matter how much shame and guilt we feel, Jesus forgives. Do they know this? Do they know that the grace offered by Jesus Christ enables them to leave the past behind and start afresh? Do they know this? Did Jesus conquer your heart? Did Jesus restore your life? Did Jesus forgive you? If the answer is yes, share that. <laughs> share to those you love. Because you want them to encounter the same hope that you encountered. Fourthly, he was also a hands-on servant. So then God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. And this is the interesting thing, because I want to ask you, who was doing the miracles based on the text we read? God. Okay? It was God who was doing the miracles through Paul. It wasn't Paul through God. And this is important to understand, because the sons of Shiva were trying to use God for their own gain. But it's not working like this. Paul was available, made himself available to God, and God was doing through his hands. The miracle belongs to God. God was doing extraordinary miracles through Paul's hands. He was hands-on. And it's important for us to understand that we must be available to God, say, as I was 10 years ago, and as hopefully I'll be for the rest of my life, whatever you want to do, I'm here. I can be a vessel or a conduit, if you want, through whom you bless people's lives and transform people's lives as well. Last Sunday, Pastor Mark was sharing with us the fact that when it comes to praying for people, we are the postman delivering the letter. That's, that's like, it's, it's brilliant and it's simple to understand. We are the postman delivering the letter. The result belongs to God. Yeah. Okay? We are servants who de- do their master's bidding. And this is what Paul was doing as well. And when we understand that we are just delivering the letter, it does two things. First of all, it takes the pressure of the result off us. It takes the pressure off. Some people will tell you that you don't have faith, you're not a Christian. Don't, don't believe this. It's, it's, it's not about, we, yeah, we need to make ourselves available, pray and believe God will go into these things. But the result belongs to God. The pressure is on Him. We partner with Him, we, pay, we place our hands on people, we pray for them, and we let God to do His part. That's why we're partners. I do my part, and I trust that God is going to do His part as well. And secondly, it keeps us humble. And God gets all the glory. And this is very important. One time I was sharing with someone about how amazing God is moving in our church, in prayer meetings, in Sundays, in, and especially in earthquake. And he said to me, Vlad, you need to invite me to earthquake. And while he was speaking, I was thinking, oh, yeah, of course, I want, I want him to come here so God touches his life. Because uh, I knew he was going through stuff. And um, he was a Christian, sort of. But anyway, and before I even finished my thought, he's like, you know why I should come? It's like, 
Why? Say because uh, he says something like this. Uh, because I have this supernatural healing electricity in my palms, and when I lay my hand on anyone, they're getting healed. It's like, it's like, no, you don't. <laughs> Lich, it's like, you don't have supernatural electricity in your hand. You may have God, and He does the miracle, but He was going. So I know what I speak about Him. Okay, He was going for let's call it a journey, if you want. Every, everything goes in the journey part anyway. But, but look at how brilliant and clear this verse addresses this. The answer to the who does the miracle is God. But we are the answer to the question of how. God, through us, we make ourselves available as partners of God. The miracle can happen, and we've witnessed it many times in our church. But it's God through us, not us through God. It's very important. It's a simple change, but this is what we do. We are there to do God's bidding as faithful servants of the Most High God through whom He will transform lives, the lives of those around us. The miracle is, is done by God through us, and the, all the glory, 100% goes to Him, because He deserves all the glory. And finally, our identity, we, Paul has his identity built on Christ. The evil spirit answered to them, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I recognize. Who are you? <laughs> I find this a bit funny. It's like, you can imagine, like, who are you? <laughs> like, Mate, <laughs> shush, you know, you, you're, you're no one. It's something like this. You were saying, the demon saying to, this, to the sons uh, of Shiva as well. Jesus, I know you, and Paul, I recognized. You know, Paul faced the same enemy that the sons of Shiva faced. Same one. But Paul wasn't overpowered. Paul knew who he was in Christ, and Paul knew whose he was, that he belonged to Christ. The priority of our lives as Christians is to know Christ and be known by Christ. I mean, there's even a clue in the word Christian. It's all about Christ. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what are you investing your identity? Someone said, one of the greatest barriers to success is feeling like you're a victim. And this is so true. Let's not build our identity on victimhood. Because we're not victims. We're empowered by God. Where the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, God lives within us. And through us, He's going to do mighty miracles. We're far from victims. But we need to win the battle here in our minds so that we belong to God and He is for us. If you're under attack, you're not a victim. You're a soldier empowered by the Holy Spirit to be more than conquered through Christ who strengthens you. And you can win the battles. We can win these battles. Every step I take in the battle is charged with authority from Jesus Christ. Every step I take in the enemy's territory, I know I have the authority in Jesus' name to step in because God is with me. Every move I make is guided by the Holy Spirit as Pastor Mark was teaching us last Sunday. The Holy Spirit is will guide you in all truth. Every step, step I make is guided by Him. Every word I declare in Jesus' name has the power to separate the spirit from the flesh. Bullseye. When I speak, if I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit, it changes lives. No weapon formed against me shall prevail. Because God is with me. Because I am a soldier. I am strong. You are strong. You have been equipped and blessed with every spiritual blessing to fight the battles of your lives and bring people to Jesus Christ. Christ is building His church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell will not prevail against you. Because you are being built up by Christ and trained and equipped to walk in the good works He prepared already for you. We are enlisted by God, prepared, blessed, chosen. We are already all that. We just need to believe it and start to walk in this identity that we have as children of God. You know Christ and Christ knows you. You know Christ and Christ knows you. 
one of the things I would love people to remember me for after I die is the fact that I knew Christ. I want those who knew me to be able to genuinely say, Vlad knew Jesus Christ. Like if I die before all of you, please say this at my funeral. <laughs> Only if you saw me living it, obviously, as well. <laughs> and when I finally meet Jesus face to face, I'd like to hear him saying, Well done, good and faithful servant. Say, well done, Vlad. <laughs> you did it. It wasn't easy. It was hard. There was all opposition, all these things. But Jesus to say, well done, Vlad. Well done, good and faithful servant. Matthew 7 says this. Not everyone who says to me... Can you go to Matthew 7, please? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? Like the sons of Shiva. They were trying to do these things. And do many mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Do you know Christ? Do you know Christ? Is your identity built on Jesus Christ? The strength to stand strong against the enemy's attacks comes from the identity that is nurtured in the intimacy with Christ. And we can do it. Paul was strong because he did all these steps. He had an evangelistic heart. He was protective of the people that God wanted to impact the lives of. He was sharing the good news. He had his identity built on Jesus Christ. That's why you and I are not victims. We're far from it. We're mandated and empowered by God. And the moment you step foot, step, step foot out of this church, you go back on your mission field, knowing that you are empowered to bring the good news, to help people, to belong to a community, to know that Christ is with you, Christ is for you. And if God is for you, no one can be against you. That Jesus has no rival, no equal. Can you imagine all these things are true about us? Jesus is there for you. And when the enemy attacks, know who you are. And know whose you are as well. Bless you.